Our text uh, is going to be Judges, thir- beginning Judges 13, chapter 13. So, um, I've never taught on Samson before. Uh, and just going through all this with the eye of a teacher, what am I going to try to bring out of this? It was a little difficult, actually. Uh, Samson is, uh, I guess I'm reminded when you talk about that nobody is useless because some can serve as a bad example. That's kind of <laughs> kind of where I picture Samson being. He was, uh, uh, I guess, a difficult person. But the good news for us is, I guess this is one thing we can draw from it, if God can use Samson, he can use anybody. <laughs> so don't feel discouraged. Um, well, the story of Samson starts out uh, 13 verse 1, and it's almost like the writer saying, okay, same song, this is what, about fifth verse? Uh, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So one little verse there covers a whole lot of time and misery for the Israelites. And, um, and I kind of went back and looked and I mean, you had the, you had Gideon before this, you had Deborah before that, you had several others that I don't remember their names, but that all starts out the same. Again, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so he gave them over to their enemies. And so it's just kind of the story of Judges is the Israelites being rescued, falling back into sin, being rescued, falling back into sin, and and some of these last a long time. Samson was a judge for 20 years, which was really one of the longer ones. Uh, and then they'd be they've been in bondage for 40 years before that. So, so it's a it's a difficult time for God's people, and when it comes to obeying God. So, so one thing I want to look at a little bit uh, is the the circumstances of Samson's. Um, conception and birth but his uh, let's see in uh, verse 6 it talks about uh, well the angel had come or the Lord had come to her the angel of the Lord Uh, the woman went to her husband told him a man of God came to me he looked like an angel of God very awesome I didn't ask where he came from and and he didn't tell me his name But he said to me, You will conceive and give birth to a son. Now then, drink no wine nor other fermented drink, and do not eat anything unclean, because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from from birth until the day of his death. And so I looked back in number six where it talks about the Nazarite vow. And generally, from what I could tell, it was a temporary vow. I mean, whatever your length of time was, uh, you set that, and during that time, basically what he told her to do, no, nothing that comes from a grapevine. So uh, no wine or other fermented drink, no vinegar, no grape juice, no grapes, no raisins. no. And it even gets down and says you can't even eat the, the peels or the seeds of the grape. Like, that sounds very appetizing to me, <laughs> especially Concord grapes. Those taste terrible. But there was nothing from the grapevine that they could eat. And then... Another one was that no razor should come to their head, so they they let their hair grow, and then they could not come into contact with a dead body. 
and it certainly seems like that Samson created many dead bodies that he was around during his life. So I'm not sure at what point Samson actually violated his Nazarite vow or a vow that was placed on him. Because as you read the story, I mean, he has his seven-day feast for his wedding, and I mean, wine is very typical of those kind of celebrations. It doesn't say that he drank any, but it certainly would have been there in a temptation. Um, the razor, we know when that happened, that was kind of his downfall. But like I said, the, the dead body, and I'm assuming it means, I mean, it means a human body. I don't know if that was any always the case. Any dead body. But, but he killed a lion and ate honey out of the carcass of it. So, so I'm thinking that the razor was not the first violation of his vow. Um, but one thing it did say about the Nazarite vow was that if you inadvertently came into contact with a dead body, you shaved your head and you started over. And so I guess that's kind of what Samson did involuntarily. <laughs> but um, it's just a, it's an interesting uh, commitment to God, the, the Nazarite vow. And there, there's not very many instances. It seemed like there was, I can't think of who it was now, it seemed like there was one other instance of somebody that was a Nazarite from birth. But, I mean, Samson's the only one that comes to my mind right away, and I didn't look the other one up. Um, so, so the period of time for his vow was his lifetime, and it was imposed by God that, this, that you're going to be a Nazarite from birth. So, so it was a, a unique, um, unique situation that, that he found himself in. Um, one other verse that I found uh, very interesting here was in chapter 14 uh, and this was this one was kind of hard for me to get my mind around but it's verse 4 um, and this is where Samson had gone down to Timnah he'd seen this Philistine woman and decided that he wanted to, her to be his wife so he came, comes home and he tells his parents I saw this woman I like her get her for me and then verse 4 says, of course, they didn't want that. They said, don't get a wife from the pagans. Get one from your own people. And he said, and he, he was very uh, adamant about he wanted her. And then verse, verse 4 of chapter 14 says, his parents did not know that this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. So I guess my, what that the question I had about that is, did Samson have any free will in this situation? Or was he God's puppet in this? What say you? I vote for free will. Okay. Would you like me to elaborate on that? Sure. Okay. Um, I think he had free will because uh, First of all, I believe that's what God teaches that we all have free will. But um, I mean, in this particular instance here, I I don't know that God was manipulating so much as He was taking advantage of a predisposition. Right. 
could be an instrument of God still have free will. Right. And I agree with that. That's that's kind of where I was going with it too, because you look at Samson's life, I mean, j- just this verse here says, I mean, he chose a Philistine woman which was against his parents' wishes. And and even in of course it was after Samson, but there was a lot of warning warnings against marrying foreign women. And you look at the price that Solomon paid uh, for marrying many foreign women because they drew him away from God uh, those kind of things but you can tell by his parents reply here that it was something that wasn't normally done because they're saying can't you find somebody among our relatives or even in our nation that's acceptable and anyway, the, the answer from Samson was no but I, I think it's interesting how that God can take us whether we're compliant or belligerent whether we're seeking his will or not he can take us and use us uh, to fulfill his purpose and that's I think that's exactly what he's doing to Samson here um, the the great strength that Samson had is obviously from God um, just not getting a haircut does not make you super strong I don't think <laughs> I've always had mine cut so I don't know for sure um, but but that that part of his uh, judgeship, I guess, if you will, was certainly from God, the, the great strength that he had. Because whenever, not every time, but most times, and we'll get into this later, um, it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him with power, and then he did some great thing. And so that's... Um, that, I think that's where, I mean, obviously the power came from God. So, one thing I wanted to kind of look at here too, and this kind of goes against being a good Christian, is the concept of revenge. And it's, it's woven completely throughout this story. Um, in 14... Uh, verse 18 is um, kind of the beginning of of Samson's downfall, if you will, because that's that's where the the his groomsmen, I guess, the 30 men that were selected for him to be his friends, uh, were trying to get the answer to his riddle, and it seemed to me like there were 30 of them and he said if you get it I'll give you 30 changes of clothes and if if I win you give me 30 changes so I'm assuming that's one change of clothes per person that, that's kind of the way I read that and it seems their, their answer seemed kind of severe here because they say uh, tell us the answer or we'll kill you and your dad we'll burn your house, your dad's house down with you in it uh, if you don't tell us the answer to this riddle. It's like, for a change of clothes, you're going to burn the house down and kill somebody? It seems kind of severe. Um, but that, that was what they told her. So she begged him. He finally gave her the answer. And so when she told them the answer, they gave him gave the correct answer. And so he told said, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have gotten my answer. But he lost the bet, so he went and killed 30 guys and in uh, Ascalon, brought their clothes back and handed it out, and so that was kind of the beginning of Samson seeking revenge for his 
perceived wrong. Um, and then it, it made him mad that his wife had given the answer away, so he got mad and went home. And in the meantime, her father gave her to his best man from the wedding. He's like, okay, that made him a little mad when he came back to see her. And so then to get revenge for that, he caught 30, 300 foxes. And I know he's strong, but he must be quick too because you have to be really quick to catch a fox. Caught 300 foxes, tied their tails together, burned not just their wheat crops, but burned their vineyards and burned their olive groves. So he was not a popular guy. So, so now he's gotten revenge for his uh, losing the bet and having to and then losing his wife, so he got revenge for that. Now the Philistines come back and they say, well, we're going to get revenge for you. And so they kill his wife and her, her father. And he says, okay, because you've done that, now I'm, I'm, I'm free to do whatever I want to to you, basically. So he killed a bunch of them then. It doesn't say how many. Then he went and hid. And so they came and, so the Philistines, to get revenge for that, came and camped out in Judah and said, bring him to us or... We're going to have a pretty good war here. So 3,000 Israelites go to cap, get him from the, uh, uh, the cave that he was hiding in. And they tied him up and brought him to the Philistines. So how does he get revenge for them camping in his country? Finds a jawbone of a donkey and kills 1,000 people with it. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... It, just, it seems like it just goes back and forth on this. So, so after he kills those, then they capture him and gouge his eyes out. And then his last act alive was revenge in killing them by bringing down the temple of Dagon. So when I, so one of the things I thought about bringing out as our takeaway from this is okay. We should forgive each other, right? Love each other and forgive each other. Is that? But I couldn't see how that would be a good lesson from Samson because it really it didn't happen. And then it also was it God's wish that he did all this. I mean, they they, they were being ruled over by the Philistines, and God's instrument was Samson uh, to overcome the Philistines. So, so I kind of threw out the idea of forgiveness. That's maybe something we need to do. I don't think vengeance is something we need, but I don't think Samson's story is one where we can get that. Can we? Anybody? <laughs> yes? Well, in spite of everything Samson did, the Lord still took care of him. Samson was thirsty and God took care of him. Samson prayed at the end for, for the temple to come. God took care of him and he gave him back the strength. So in spite of all the things that Samson did, to go against the will of the Lord, what the Lord wanted for him, the Lord was still there and still took care of him. Okay. Well, now that you've mentioned that, I'll just use that as a segue and we'll jump a little bit ahead. That was that was something I wanted us to look at was Samson's relationship with God. <clears throat> okay. God was with Samson because there were many times it says that the like I said before, and we'll get into this in a minute, that the power of the Lord or the, the Spirit of the Lord came on him with power. But when you look at Samson's relationship to God, you don't see it really as a two-way street so much. Because like you said, there's only two instances in the whole passage 
that Samson has any communication with God that's recorded. I mean, there there may have been others. I don't judging from his the rest of his lifestyle. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there's not. But all we have are two, and one of them is like you say, he's griping to God. I've killed all these people for you, and now I'm thirsty. And I'm going to die of thirst and fall into their hands. And so, God, it's kind of like Moses. Uh, striking the stone instead of talking to it like he was told. Samson was griping, complaining, so God gave him the water and he was refreshed. And then the the only other time he talks to God is in um, let's see okay, so that was in 15 uh, in fact, let's read that just so that we can so chapter 15, verse 18 So he's just killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. And that's, that's got to be, a, I mean, doing that a, even a thousand times, he may have hit on some of them more than once. But that, <laughs> that gets your shoulder kind of sore a little bit. And obviously makes you thirsty. And he said, <laughs> so he says, because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, you have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall in the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up a hollow place in Lehi, and water came out of it. When Solomon drank, his strength returned, and he was revived. So the spring was called in Hekor, and is still there in Lehi. So there's one, there's one conversation that Samson had with God. And then the other one is uh, chapter 16, uh, verse 28. And at this point, Samson has had his hair cut, his eyes gouged out. He's been in a prison grinding grain, and his hair has grown out. So I'm sure that made the grinding grain easier. But they brought him to the, the temple to make fun of him and for him to entertain them. And so he's had, he had the guy, that, the kid that was leading him around. Uh, leaning against the pillars that supported the temple. And then verse 28, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more and let, and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. So Samson ends his life with revenge on his mind. And so that was the only two conversations that Samson had with God. Uh, and it seems like a fairly it sounds like he trusts God but it sounds like his relationship with him is fairly shallow yes with Samson's I mentioned in Hebrews in Hebrews 11 that's true along with Gideon and Samuel and in fact talked about how he you know, destroyed animals and armies and with strength and and so forth. So, uh, I think your your original statement, your premise at the very beginning, is true. It's uh, if God can love Samson, He can love Benita. <laughs> right. I think it's a depth of a relationship that you can be honest with God. Right. Shallowness that He was crying out to in despair. You can look at it as complaining or despair. But he was being honest with them, and I think that's a depth relationship. Okay. Good. I kind of find it interesting that it says 
at least twice that I see here that he judged Israel for 20 years, and yet never once in all of this is he talked about any relationship he had with Israel. He was always with his little city, you know. So it's just kind of interesting that he was a judge, but where was he? He's kind of like an absentee judge. Yeah, a one-man army. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a very short time period based on what we're told. It's kind of boom, 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 but apparently there was a lot in there that we weren't told about. Yeah. Yeah. And is it revenge or is it obedience? I mean, God gave him the power to do this, even catching the foxes. I mean, I, I don't... Um, I, it's really it, hard to it says it's, it says it's revenge, but, so it's revenge, but it may be obedience as well. A, I mean, it's maybe not a one-sided coin. So, so that that was one thing I want us to think about here is we're taught forgiveness and turning the other cheek and all these other biblical principles, but the story from Samson is one of getting revenge on your enemies. But didn't God do that many times? He was Oh yeah, I mean that's the book of Judges is com, is full of stories of getting revenge on on their enemies because they've been in bondage for seven years, for twenty years, for forty years, whatever the case, depending on which judge was taking over, was how I mean the only really the only difference in the narrative is how many years they've been in bondage before the next judge shows up. The rest of it's pretty much the same. So yeah, I mean a lot of it is I mean all through Judges and even Kings. You have a lot of instances of the Israelites taking revenge on their enemies. And I guess my question is, Jesus tells us to love our enemies. So where where's our, our disconnect here between loving our enemies and taking revenge on our enemies? We also told them a lot of times to wipe out our whole nation because they were so evil. Right. Well, I think there's a difference between my enemies and God's enemies. Yes. Okay. I mean, to me, that's where the, the difference here. The Philistines and the tribe, the other Canaanite tribes, those were God's enemies. Um, whereas my enemies aren't necessarily, even though I might think they are. Right. Um, so I, God has a different level of uh, wisdom when it comes to that. Really. Yeah. And he even talks about God, though. He raises up these nations to take them into captivity. I mean, you, you look later on when we get to uh, Daniel and some of those. I mean, he raised up the Babylonians to carry them into captivity. He raised up the Assyrians to carry them into captivity. So he's so that's part of God's plan as well. I guess that's where I struggle with it is, is what happened between the God that we're reading about here in the Old Testament that's... Um, taking out vengeance on the enemies of Israel or his enemies I guess if if you're an Israelite uh, and then Jesus admonition and Jesus he was saying these things against Rome who was every bit as bad as these people here saying love your enemies if you're asked to carry something a mile carry it two miles so, so what has happened in the meantime that that God's uh, stance on the adversaries has changed, Benita? Because it predestined Israel to, come, to bring the fulfillment of Christ, which had to happen with the holiness and the kingdom of Israel. 
and what the kingdom that we are is not one that's, I mean, that's it's totally different. So the purpose is different. This one's purpose is different than the church's purpose. Okay. You can't teach people to teach. No, Johnny? Uh, yeah, sometimes we make that too simplistic, I think, because uh, you look at Revelation and also passages like Hebrews, uh, like it's 1035 or something, it's close in there. And uh, God still gets his revenge. It's his revenge. Right. Now we're back to Jake's deal. <laughs> we let God take the revenge. He says. And he may use us to take his revenge, just like he used the Assyrian king who did not recognize that God was using him and thought he was doing it all on his own to punish Israel. See, I think there's a maturity aspect in this also. Uh, you know, what it tells us things were, all things came together, Jesus came into the world. You know, I, I, I've thought about this and I've tried to relate it to to Israel. Israel was being disciplined to be the vehicle to bring the Messiah into the world. And and even though even back in the Old Testament tells that the Gentiles would be saved. So you ask, why is this vengeance of God? Well God says, you know, vengeance is mine. Okay, I, I will deal with it. How he deals with it is is his his choice. But he's disciplining uh, Israel. And I've got to think how many how many fights did I get into as a kid? How many fights do I get into as an adult? At some point, I matured and was ready to understand interactions and relationships. But when I was younger, and, and you remember, these guys right now are coming out of the, uh, let's see, they're, they're into the Bronze Age, going right into the Iron Age. If you remember, the Philistines, uh, they were the only ones who knew how to do iron. And, you know, they were the ones that the Israelites had to take their plows and everything over, you know, hammered and so forth. So they're just going into it. So mankind was in it. It was a pre-adolescent, if you will, or maybe even an adolescent type of maturity. But when all things came to maturity to where mankind can understand, then God sent the Messiah into the world. And that's the way I reconcile what your question is. Okay. Don? He just quoted it. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Okay. So to get through kind of the, the rest of our story here, um, we've kind of done a quick overview of it. Um, kind of want to kind of settle in at uh, kind of the end uh, of Samson's life here and, and kind of go over what, um, what the circumstances have been. Um, I'm blown away at, I mean, I've known some people that were pretty um, inept around women, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody in Samson's league. <laughs> I mean, when he, when he comes to Delilah, I mean, she asks him three times, okay, what, what's the secret to your strength? Well, if you tie me up with seven bowstrings, I'll become weak. 
He wakes up and he's tied with seven bowstrings. Why are you going to continue this charade? <laughs> okay, tie me up with new ropes that have never been used. He wakes up, he's tied up with new ropes, and he's still not getting the picture. She must have been really good looking. I'm, I'm telling you. <laughs> he was smitten. <laughs> really, yes. Um, oh, he was an idiot. Well, was it they say you're really smart until the day you fall in love and you lose all sense? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure it was love. I think it was another L word. Right. <laughs> he reminds me of these star athletes that are dumb as a box of rocks, but the coach keeps them around because they're really, really good. But then they're also the ones that end up with like 20 different kids by 20 different women because they don't figure out that, hey, there, there's something going on here. <laughs> yeah. I didn't read that chapter in <laughs> As I read that, it was just like, okay, I mean, after the first or second time, you might think, okay, he, he's gonna get it here and he's not gonna give away his secret. But he goes and he tells her what the secret is and he wakes up and his head shaved. It's like, is this a surprise to you that this happened? I mean, it's, it's just kind of, I guess, morbidly entertaining to me that he was so inept, yeah. We try to make all of this like in this short time frame, and I kind of wonder if this isn't spread out over a long amount of time. And one of the things that we have to remind ourselves and our kids and everybody is Satan is patient. And it could have been a year in between some of this, and how that's how Satan is. He is patient and tries to deceive you. And I think you see it. You know. Yeah. Well, he was definitely deceived. I mean, it was. No, no getting around that. But as I was reading through, it's just, I mean, I have a weird sense of humor, so I'm thinking, <laughs> this guy's nuts. You think maybe God uh, kind of picked on Samson because he was so weak with the women, and he was using him to completely destroy the Philistines? Yeah, I think that's it. And I think that's when we read verse, uh, or, yeah, verse 4. Um, uh, was it chapter 15, 14, that, that this was from God. I mean, God is using this. And and I think it it was kind of opening, eye-opening to me because as I read through it and, and you see such blatant and obvious errors in judgment from Samson. And yet God continued to rescue him out of those situations. And Really, even with getting his head shaved and it said God left him and he was blind. I mean, God did leave him. But then at the end, when he uh, asked God for help, God was there uh, one more time for him. And so I think that that should be a lesson to us is that, first of all, we're probably not as in charge of our lives as we think we are sometimes. Because I think that's what that's what I see from Samson. I mean, he looks like he's got it all together. He's this big, huge hunk. He can kill a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. He can carry the gates of a city to the top of a hill. I mean, he's, a, he's an astounding specimen of a man. But he doesn't have... I mean, God's in control. He's the ultimate gun job. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, he thinks he's in control. I mean, you read some of the stuff, he, he's pretty sure he's in control. But God is leading this thing. And you know, in verse 20, it almost sounds to me like he's a little surprised that he really lost his strength. Yeah. I mean, because he, he doesn't seem to be aware that God has left him, and he seems to think he's going to just shake it off. And then 
bingo, not this time. Right. But what, what's interesting to me is, I mean, the other ones, he's tied up with the bowstrings or tied up with the ropes, and he just he breaks out, and so it's obvious that he hasn't lost his strength. But when he gets his hair cut off, he thinks that he's, he's still okay, but something was different because he, the Lord had left him, so he didn't have his strength. And so there must have been something obvious to the Philistines that they were they came out of the room and then captured him because it was because um, before, like I said, he he demonstrated it by breaking the ropes or whatever whatever happened to be the situation, and so something happened that was I think must have been visible to them that they could tell that the Lord had left him. It's interesting in verse nineteen, where after she called the man in to shave his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. I just missed that when I read it earlier. It was interesting. Why would she go to him? Yeah. Even for being lied to, I guess, but still. I think maybe we have a misperception about being filled with the Spirit. Uh, I think that when we think about Solomon and his wisdom, and David and Samson, uh, I think that that when, we, when the Lord sends the Spirit into us, it's not a permanent residence. I think it's for a situation. Well, and, in the Old Testament, anyway. Yeah, and to, to be filled with His Spirit. I mean, we have instances throughout the Old the Old Testament of, about that, and, and there are some indications in the New Testament uh, when in the epistles when we talk about. Uh, a person rejecting, after accepting Christ, rejecting Christ as the dog returns to its vomit. Uh, so I, I, I think we have a misperception that the, that the Spirit once in us is always in us. But I think we can do some dumb things. Well, the, just because you're filled with the Spirit doesn't mean you've lost free will. That's right. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is um, how in the world and you get tied up, get his head shaved, and never wake up. He's had a lot of wine. Was <laughs> <laughs> he so drunk no, that he's not a bibber? Because he's a nice sound sleeper. He, he works so hard killing, <laughs> killing people that he's tired. So he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord probably had a hand in that. Be sleep as well. Yeah. That the Lord kept him out of it. Uh, and well, the King James says she made him sleep. Maybe she gave him something to sleep. So did Mickey in his drink? <laughs> <laughs> in his water. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty bad with women. <laughs> yeah. I'm concerned about, I, I think it was Jeff's statement, that the, that the Spirit of, of the Lord is not with us. I think he promises that from the very beginning. That with his people, the Spirit is with them. But I think what he was saying is that we can reject that Spirit and it won't be innocent. I think as long as we're willing, and that's and, and that's when we're lost. 
Yes. When we lose, when we reject the spirit, we're out of it. So, so anyway, so, so Samson has lived a life of exacting God's revenge against the Philistines. And I, I mean, I think what we've talked about is, is kind of where I had come out with, with my thoughts as well, that, I mean, God, God, vengeance is God's, he'll repay, it says over and over again. And he's using Samson as that tool um, and so when when Samson finally tells Delilah his secret and his head is shaved then it says that the spirit of God left him and, that, and before then that's what I wanted to go through um, in chapter 13 we're going we're to look at kind of where, how the spirit was with Samson so in chapter 13, is the first indication is right at the end of the chapter. Um, so, so after he's born, he grew and the Lord blessed him. And then verse 25 says, And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahadam between Zorah and Eshtal. So, so that's the first indication. So he's, he's born under these extraordinary circumstances of being a Nazarite. And so at the end of the first of chapter 13, the Lord began to stir him. So what, whatever that means. And I think it was that probably the, his appetites and things like that where you start right into 14 and he's already taken with a Philistine woman. That he wants, that he d demands to marry, and so the Lord has stirred him. And then, in uh, chapter fourteen, verse nine, and this is um, so. This is when the the lion attacks. It says. Um, fourteen six. I'm sorry. Yeah. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. I don't know about tearing a goat would be hard enough. <laughs> but he tore a lion with his bare hands. So the Spirit of the Lord, so that's, that's our second encounter with, with God's Spirit is, is when the lion attacks. So he tears it apart with his hands. And then uh, four, 14 verse 19 and this is um, this is after he's lost his riddle and he goes to Ashkelon so the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power and he went down to Ashkelon struck down 30 of their men stripped them of their belongings and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle so so sometimes you I mean even in that situation it looks like he's He's kind of made a bad choice here, but God bails him out, comes on him with power, goes in, God just killed 30 guys and take their clothes, no big deal. Um, chapter 15, 15. And this is when uh, they delivered him, the, the, Jude, the tribe of Judah delivered him over to uh, the Philistines, and then the middle of 
uh, verse 15. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him with power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, blah, 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 whack, whack, whack. A thousand guys did. So, so, those, so, so the Lord began to stir in him, and then three times it's the exact same words. The Spirit of the Lord came on him with power. He killed a lion. He killed 30 men. He killed 1,000 men. And then in verse 16, 20, or chapter 16, 20, after his head is shaved, she called and said, the Philistines are upon you. He woke from his sleep and thought, I'll just go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Probably some of the saddest words in the Bible right there. And then we see the consequences of the Lord leaving. He gets his eyes gouged out, thrown in prison, and is treated pretty shamefully. And then that's the last of the interactions that it says that the Spirit actually coming upon him. But at the end, when he prays to God, we talked about that uh, Sovereign Lord, please strengthen me just this one more and let me, and with one blow, get revenge for, on the Philistines with my two eyes. And it doesn't say that the Lord came on him with power. It just says that Samson reached toward the two central pillars on the temple, braced himself, uh, his right hand on one, his left hand on the other, and said, let me die with the Philistines, and he brought down the house. And so it doesn't say that God strengthened him for that, but I think it's probably obvious that he did. Um, and so anyway Samson killed more Philistines in his death than he did in his life so if you were the Philistines wouldn't you think you would keep his head shaved yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean uh, Samson wasn't the only idiot in this <laughs> of course maybe they didn't know that it, his strength would come back when his hair did but, yeah and maybe they wanted him strong because he could grind more grain that way. Who knows? Well, that's how I, I think they have had something to do with him. They brought him out to entertain them. So yeah. what was he doing to entertain them? Feats of strength, maybe? Yeah. But, strong man act. Yeah. Philistines weren't exactly known for their lack of arrogance. Yes. <clears throat> well, that's my lesson. I think what we can draw from Samson is that we can that God is using us whether willingly or not uh, we have less control over our lives than we think we do because uh, I think that's what we see from Samson I mean you see all the decisions he made most of them bad and yet God was able to use that to do to fulfill his plan and so if we're willing to allow God to use us to fulfill his plan, I think it makes our life much better and, and God is able to use us as joyful servants rather than reluctant servants. But I think that the point is that God can use us wherever we are, whatever we've done, how, however bad or good we think we are, um, God is in control. And I think Samson points to that powerfully. Thank you all for being here.
Johnny. Yeah. I, I see kind of like, I mean, Samson's making these ridiculous decisions. And God is at work in his life. We do the same thing. Yep. And the, the, to me, it's a happy ending. Samson finally gets after all the and and I don't think he would have gotten it had he not lost his strength and had his eyes put out and had to be humiliated. I agree. Probably. Yeah, Ellen, I, I struggle along with you on exactly what am I supposed to take away from uh, this dude's life because um, he is a he is a hot mess. Um, but we've got clear indication from Hebrews, at least, and I think some suggestions here in Judges as well, that Samson had uh, faith in God. Uh, and so it, it wasn't just uh, completely, uh, you know, I, I'm using this idiot uh, unwittingly to accomplish my purpose. But, you know, despite all of Samson's bad decisions, God was still able to work through that. And so despite the bad decisions that we make, God can still work uh, good for that. Uh, the other point I, I was going to make is, you know, you went through all the examples where uh, it said the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on Samson. And I think this is a bit different instance of uh, the spirit of the Lord on people than what we see in the rest of Scripture, because I I see this more as uh, a manifestation of uh, God uh, of God accomplishing His His purpose, you know. And so He needed uh, to teach He needed to punish the Philistines for the oppression that they had had done uh, of the Israelites, and so uh, He causes that to happen through this superhuman strength uh, and the spirit of God being being in him to uh, accomplish that. Well, one, I mean, one thing, I mean, I kind of uh, kind of had a little fun at Samson's expense here because, I mean, just based, based on what the scripture says, a lot of it kind of is morbidly humorous. But I think, I mean, when you read chapter 13, I mean, Samson had godly parents. And because when when it was promised that he would be born and the angel went up with the fire, I mean, they fell on their faces and they were scared to death because, I mean, especially his dad, that, that we seen God, we're going to die. And his mother had the faith that said, no, he wouldn't have shown us all these things and told us these things if, we, if he was going to kill us. And so... So I think he had godly parents, and so there's probably a lot more. And like you said, in and Jeff said in Hebrews, he's mentioned there. So there's there's actually probably more faith in there than we actually see in the story, um, because I don't think God would. I'm not sure God would continue to come on him with power if he was doing it all for his own glory. So I think there's some. Some acknowledgement of Samson, even though we don't see it recorded, I think he probably did give a lot of the glory to God for what he was able to do. I think it was in the end. 
I mean, he did, but I think he did. I think there's probably a pattern of that in his life that we don't see here based on his upbringing. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, and it, he could have completely disregarded his parents' faith and gone his own way, but I don't think he would have been recorded in Hebrews had he done that. I don't think he would have judged Israel for 20 years if he had done that. Right. Besides Jesus, which perfect man did God pick to accomplish his purpose? Every one of them is flawed. Yeah, we got to be a little careful with the Hebrews. Jeff has mentioned in Hebrews. Well, that's true. <laughs> so there's there's a couple of them that's questionable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But God used them. Yeah, Balak, who had who did not appear to have very much faith. At least. But sometimes the guys that, I mean, Gideon didn't appear to have very much faith either when he started yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat. Anything else? Lessingers, thank you. Thank you. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.